This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on him on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, and put them into the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. I want to talk to you, us tonight about now faith. Now faith. Now, faith. Jesus, we magnify you. We give you all the glory, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this place that we've already felt. Thank you for anointing my lips. Thank you for anointing our hearts and our ears and our minds to receive what you have in store for us, Jesus. We give you all the praise and all the thanks. I pray that now faith would ignite a fire in our souls, mighty God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. Verse 32. What, did we find out what chapter that was in? 17. Thank you. 32 of chapter 17. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. You know what I've, I like so much about that statement right there? Is that he was in a moment of, of pressure. And you know that David looked around. He looked from side to side. And he was with his brothers. And he said, I'm going to do something about it. It wasn't a, a methodical. It wasn't thought out. It was just instantaneous. He said, I'm going to go do this. I'll fight this giant. You know, the world, they like to tell you that everything's got to be methodical. Everything's got to be thought out. You can't go do that unless you've got this degree. And you can't do that unless you've been to this seminar and you've received this certificate. And all those things are good. But sometimes God places you in a situation where the only way that he can work through you is when you just act. When you just activate now faith. And a lot of times that, that situation that he's placed you in. Where you have to utilize now faith. To the common eye. The now faith will seem completely and utterly illogical. When David told Saul, Saul looked at him and said, wait, 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 you can't go do that. And when he realized that David's mind was made up, he said, well, at least you, you'll at least need these. There's no way you'll succeed without these. My tools, my armor. See, the world looks at the situation that we're in and they say, for starters, there's no way you could do this. You can't do this. But if you are going to do it, you're, you're going to need our, our tools to do it. They're looking at prayer and they're saying, no, that's not the method you need. You need to have this book learning. And they look at prayer and they no, that's not the method you need. you need. You need these seminars and you need these lessons and you need this. And I'm not preaching against all that stuff. Those things are good. But I'm saying sometimes you are placed in a situation where the illogical is the only way that you can allow God to operate. And it's because it's using now faith. Faith right now. You've not thought about it. You've not had to stop and pray about it. You just say, in Jesus' name. 
See, now faith doesn't have room for your master plan. A lot of times your dreams, you know, the scripture says the desires of your heart, God will fulfill those. But a lot of times your dreams and your dreams and my dreams, they aren't God's dreams. Because our dreams are way too small for what God has planned. And in order to step in to those plans, the only way you are going to do that isn't through stuff you can uh, read out of a, another book. It isn't from going to some great lectures. It isn't, it's just going to be through the activation of now faith that you have built through 100% unadulterated prayer. Now faith. Matthew 18, verses 2 and 4. I do have that chapter written down. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. And said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest of the kingdom. Today we call that childlike faith. You know, when you're a child, even if you have a traumatic experience, we have quite a few people in here that work with children on a daily basis. Some of them, way too many children on a daily basis. <laughs> but even if a child is placed in a traumatic situation where a lot of people would look at them and say, yep, I, I can recognize that that child is damaged goods. Do you know that one thing that you can almost never inhibit a child from having is the ability to just believe in the impossible. Even if a child has seen traumatic situations that would damage an adult beyond belief, a child is somehow still able to capture in their mind's eye and in their heart the ability to believe in the impossible. And the Lord, he recognized that. And he said, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you can become just like this child because they have the ability to not only humble themselves, but they have the ability to operate in the impossible by utilizing now faith. Are you all with me? Their faith is bigger than our faith a lot of times. I, I know this to be true for one very specific reason. I, I've been utilized a lot to work with children's ministries. Uh, do crusades, do rallies, preach camps. And I prayed for a lot of kids, and I prayed a lot of kids through to the Holy Ghost. And I've also prayed for a lot of adults to receive the Holy Ghost. But the interesting thing about a, a child is that if you give them the instructions, and you tell them this is how you receive it, this is what it is, and this is why you need it, and then you tell them, the second I lay my hand on you, you're going to receive it. Do you know what almost inevitably happens every time? The second you lay your hand on that child, after you've told them, they believe it and they receive it because a child has the ability. They're not constrained by preconceived notions. What you say, they believe. To human logic, what we have, the Holy Ghost, that's impossible. To human logic, to science, well, how can you prove that? How can you prove you have the, the Holy Ghost inside you? That's why a lot of times it's very difficult for very intelligent people or very logical people to receive the Holy Ghost. They spend too much. I've told many people this. 
You're, you're thinking about it too much. I, and I know that's, <laughs> that sounds very simplistic, and, but they're literally just thinking about it too much. This isn't something that you have to meditate on. This isn't something that you have to schedule. and you, 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 This is something that just happens. The Lord says he wants to give it to you, and you receive it. Now faith. Their faith doesn't depend on whether he does it. Their faith just depends on he can do it. See, a lot of us, we have that, well, we have that doubting Thomas syndrome. Well, Lord, I, I got faith, but I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. The thing about now faith is, now faith doesn't try to strategize for the Lord how he's going to do it. It doesn't try to strategize how the result is going to come into play. Now faith doesn't even, doesn't even care if the result ever happens. Now faith isn't worried. It isn't concerned about whether what you've been asking for actually comes to pass. Now faith just says he can do it. If he does it, he did it. If he doesn't, he didn't do it. But he can do it, and my faith is that, that is it. Now faith just says, I'm not going to try to strategize for you, Lord, and I don't even care if you actually do it. I just know that you can. And when you activate now faith, you would challenge the Lord to respond. You know, people that, my, my grandmother, she's, she's always, ever since I was a little kid, I can remember her being like this. But, I mean, for small infractions that, as a, as a teenager, I thought were just a ton of fun. Like, we would be cruising through traffic with my grandpa, and if he had to pump the brakes real quick, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, I was having the time of my life, but for her, that was something that, that she, she felt insecure for a moment, and she needed safety. But her instant reaction to call upon the name of the Lord indicated one thing to me, that she walked a life of now faith. It wasn't something that she had to think about. It was something that she had used. She had seen the results of time and time again. And when a situation arose, she immediately knew, all I got to do is call on the name of my Lord, my father, my daddy. He's going to come through. Jesus. It's like Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, or you might know them by their hood names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't, when they stood up, they didn't care about the result. They just activated now faith. Now faith wasn't trying to strategize, well, how's the Lord going to get me out of this? Or, or, Lord, what's your solution going to be? Now faith wasn't considering the results. Now faith wasn't trying to strategize for the Lord and telling him this, hey, Lord, I got some really good ideas. I'm in this problem. I think this is how you should solve it. Now faith just said, I'm not going to bow. And the Lord said, well, you're not going to burn. Now faith is what empowered them to, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, it would have come down to it. When they're throwing you into a furnace and big boys like heat it up even more, even more. I'm, you know, now faith might be wavering a little. But these, they went in, and the Lord, he came through. Because we know they didn't burn. We know that the, the guy that was throwing them in, he got consumed. But when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. It's not logical. 
It doesn't make any sense. The world would tell you, uh, uh, just bow and you can repent later. Just, just bow. And when they, when they all have all, all looked away and uh, this whole seminar is over, this little get-together, we'll, we'll just go repent. But nobody would have seen the power and the majesty. Once again, the trial wasn't for them. Maybe it helped build their faith. But really, the trial was so that everybody else in that kingdom could say, the emperor, he just tried to burn three dudes. And when he threw him in, the guy that threw him in, he burned alive. But they came out with a fourth man, and they didn't even smell like smoke. And we're supposed to bow to him, or are we supposed to stand with these guys? Now, faith. Sister Arthur, she preached a message several years ago. It's fantastic. And she incorporated a, a study in it that I found very interesting. How uh, the study was essentially this, how uh, based off statistics... Uh, on people that have found themselves stranded, abandoned, uh, abandoned, uh, any number of methods. They have found themselves in the wilderness, away from people, without the ability uh, to just run down to your local convenience store and get some groceries. They're put in a survival situation where they have no shelter, no food, no water, no one else around. And statistically, children are more likely to survive than adults. Now, that struck me as very strange. You have the, and in some of these instances, if I recall correctly, there was even some adults that were avid outdoors people. They were knowledgeable. They were skilled in, in, in field craft. They were familiar with some of the methods to stay alive. And these children... I mean, they're, they're barely writing their names in crayon in a straight line. And they're more likely to survive. And it's because of this one specific reason. When your plan doesn't go the way you want it to, all of a sudden all you want to do is just, I'm done. I'm going to just sit down and die. And in a lot of those situations that Sister Arthur brought out, you could tell just by the way they found the remains of these people that they had literally just sat down and died. When their plan didn't go the way they wanted it to. But the thing is, a child, there is no plan. Nothing's too illogical. What well, you know? What is an escape? What is an escape method? What is a survival plan to a child? They're not thinking about those things. It, it, and to to adults, this seems incomprehensible. How could a child survive when adults don't? And it's because of the simple fact that children have the ability to operate in the impossible. The ability to activate now faith outside of a spiritual context. I can live. I can make it day to day because they're not worrying about two weeks out. They're just worrying about right now. And that's just an activation of now faith. How does this relate to us? We've got all these elaborate plans and schemes. You know, how we're making it through life. Not even just, not even spiritual, not even ministerial. Just, you know, how, what we're going to do in life. And, 
and you know the, the the plans we have for our kids and the plans we have for our 401k and it, all these plans and those plan and planning is not bad we need planning to succeed don't get me wrong but i'm saying the ability to activate now faith can sometimes be overlooked because it doesn't fit directly into your plan but if you will activate now faith god will make it a part of his plan I can think of multiple instances of, of people that have activated now faith. Going into the grocery store, getting in line. When you know you've got no money to buy groceries. Yeah. Getting in the car. I've heard this one. Getting in the car and not knowing how to drive. Yeah, I mean, it's hard uh, when you first start out. Some of us were blessed to start with an automatic, but when you first learn how to drive stick, I mean, that could, that could take a little bit of time. But I know of a story of a man, he got in a car, he'd never driven a car ever. Was in his 40s, said, oh, God, I can't, uh, there's no way. It was an emergency situation. And would you believe he drove that, that car, never stalled it, never skipped a gear, the Lord came through because he activated now faith. He wasn't planning. There, there, there was no methodology. It was just get in in Jesus' name. Make it happen. Sticking gum on a flat tire. That's not logical, people. How many times have I heard that? Sticking gum on a tire and in Jesus' name. What on? Yeah, fix a, no kidding. I need some of that gum on my life. <laughs> We'll run down to the bank and <laughs> recounting money. And every time you feel the Lord speaks to you and, and you recount that money and, and suddenly there's more money in the pile than you counted the last time. Recount it again. I've heard of all these things. Now faith. A child laying hands on someone. My, young, my brother Nolan, he's not in here. But I can think of two or three instances where he laid hands on people and immediately, boom, healing. Some for small things and some for large things. Illogical. Every now and then, I, I like to just go up to and visit Sunday school. I haven't done it since I've been here, but every now and then um, in, in Arizona when I would be at service, I, you know, I just, get the, I just get the inspiration to go back to the Sunday school even if I wasn't teaching or working with them. And when altar call comes, just have some of those kids pray for your needs. You don't have to tell them what it is. They won't understand. Just tell them you want them to pray for you. And can I tell you, there has not been a single time that I have gone back and had children pray for me that, boom, my need was not Im almost immediately answered. Because there's an activation of now faith. Why do I keep talking about children? It's because the scripture commands us clearly. If we're going to operate in the supernatural, if we're going to see the miraculous come into play in our own lives, we have got to learn to humble ourselves, put aside all these master plans, put aside all your schemes and all the ways that you think God needs to operate in your life, and just say, Lord, I want to activate now faith. I don't know what the situation is, but I'm just going to take a step. And it says, when you step to him, he's going to step to you. It never said you got to plan the step. never said you got to think about the step. 
You just step. And the Lord, he's going to meet you. Uh, Bishop brought to my reminder the other day, we were on the phone, and he brought to my reminding the, the story of sister, Elder Sister Urshan when she was on a, they were on a plane, and they could see out the starboard side of the plane that, uh, I think it was one or two of the engines, I can't recall, had compl- the turbines had completely stopped on this plane. It's, it becomes quite obvious there is sound deafening material in those planes, but it becomes quite obvious when an engine is off. And they said they were already in heavy, heavy turbulence, and the, all of a sudden they said the, the plane began to act erratically, and everybody became very afraid. And the pilot came over the intercom and said, we've lost power in our starboard engine. And Sister Urshan, she called upon the name of the Lord, and she said, Jesus. There was no elaborate prayer. There was no well-thought-out message, <laughs> interwoven into what she said. It was just simply just Jesus. He said, immediately, the engines came back online, fired up, and the plane continued sailing smoothly. But for some reason, there was a delay or something when they got to the gate, and they were forced to make other travel arrangements. And there had been a man directly behind the Urshans. And when they asked the Urshans, they said, well, we're going to take this method. And when the man behind them stepped up to the podium, he said, whatever they just took, I'm going where that lady goes. (laughs) See, God wants to operate through you. He wants the world to see, you know, we, we, I hear so many times uh, from the pulpit and at, at conferences and all this. You know, we don't see the miracles, the operations like we saw back in the day or overseas. Can I tell you why? It's because the Lord places opportunities every single day in our lives where we can utilize now faith and we pass up the chance. We're not seeing it not because he can't do it. We're just, we're not seeing it because we're not activating it. But if you will step out, if you will act illogically, and if you'll play the fool for all of five seconds and let God do his work, he's going to come through. And those miracles that you've been hearing about overseas, those miracles that we knew from back in yesterday, they will begin to occur again in this very self-same age. You will see them occur in your lives, in your family's lives, in your co-workers' lives. Come on, I'm preaching now. If you'll activate now faith. You know, in order to activate now faith, though, there's one very specific ingredient, ingredient, excuse me, that you have to have in your life and in your spiritual arsenal. And that is simply this, an understanding of the fact. It's not a theory. It's not a good thought. It's not something that preaches nice. It's the fact that you have the victory. Because if you already, you know, bookies, they go, they go into a betting scenario confident because they've done their research. They know which way the fight's going to swing. They know which way the race is going to go. When you go into a situation and you know that you've already won, it's pretty tough not to go into that a little cocky. 
I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, you go into a, you know, a reading contest against Helen Keller, you're feeling pretty good. And that's how we ought to feel when we face the enemy. I'm going through a trial. So what? I got the victory. That fool, he can't even see. You got to have the victory. I'm going to tell you a story about victory. I, my, uh, my uncle by uh, marriage, uh, Brother Delman Sansom, he's a uh, pastor's in Phoenix, Arizona. He's the district secretary for the state of Arizona. But he said, I got on a plane one time. Uh, he didn't mention where he was going. He said, but I, I found my seat. And he said, uh, the folks I was going to preach for, they had blessed me. And he said, uh, they had actually got me first-class tickets. I said, well, what church is that? No, but <laughs> they got me first-class tickets. And he said, I, I boarded the plane, and, you know, first-class is only, you know, four, five, six rows. It's not very deep. He said, and I sat down, and he said, I was sitting next to a very uh, stately-looking older gentleman. He said, I noticed he had one big gold ring on his finger, and it, he said, in the middle, though, I could see what uh, what looked like the the symbol of the POW flag. And he, he sat down and he sat next to the man. He said, we, it was just before our takeoff. He said, we were about to taxi. And he said, the man, he looked over at me. And he said, he was very well spoken. He said, I have a question for you. He said, it's going to come across as a little strange. He said, I don't mean to be offensive. He said, but are you something that is called a Pentecostal? And and brother, uh, brother Sansom said, well, yes, I am. I'm a Pentecostal pastor here in Phoenix. He said, I knew a Pentecostal person one time. And he said, do you mind if I tell you a little story? And he said, the second he said yes, he said, I, I couldn't be sure. He said, but I thought I saw a little moisture come around this man's eye. And he said, I was a POW. I served in the Marine Corps. He said, I was a POW in Vietnam. He said, and we... Uh, when we were captured, I was taken to a camp. It was not a very large camp. He said it might have had held 20 uh, or so POWs, he said. And we all were assigned to a shack. We each lived in a shack independently where we were shackled and chained and caged like animals, he said. And it was just like a little, a little lean-to with, uh, that acted as a cage. He said and each one of them was about 10, 15, 20 feet apart. He said, but off in the distance, he said, there was one... There was one little cage that held someone, and he was treated a lot worse than we were. He said, uh, we were all beat, he said, but he was beaten more. And he said, we were all starved. He said, but there were many days when they bring our, he said, we'd eat a, he said, we'd eat our rice portions were about the size of a tablespoon. And that's what we would have to eat every day. And he said, there were many days when that little shack was skipped, and he said, and we could hear him sometimes late at night. He said the officers, they would get drunk, and they needed a little fun. So he said, I, we could hear them off in the distance. They were beating this particular prisoner. He said, but every single morning and every single night, he said, we heard him singing a song. And he said, none of us knew his name. He was too far off, and we weren't allowed to talk anyways. He said, but amongst ourselves, when everybody had gone to sleep, he said, we crafted a name for him, and we all called him Victory. He said, because every morning and every night, he said, he would sing a song, and it would infuriate everyone. And the song went like this. He said, you might have heard it. It said, Victory in Jesus. 
my Savior forever. And he said, have you heard that song? He said, and, and Brother Sansom said, yes, I heard that song. He said, they eventually beat him or starved him to death. He said, I don't know which. He said, but when we were finally freed from that camp, he said, we, all, we were allowed the opportunity to exhume all of our fallen comrades. And he said, when, I, when we exhumed him, we collected his tags. And he said, there was a word on his dog tag. Those of you that have been in the service, you know that you're allowed to place your religion of choice on your dog tags. And he said, there was a word on there. He said, I'd never read before. He said, it was Pentecostal. He said, I don't know what came over me. He said, but when you walked onto that plane, onto this plane, he said, I've never met another Pentecostal person in my life. He said, but I knew you had to be one of them. He said, I knew you had to be like victory. He said, I could feel it all over you. The world, they can't comprehend, but they can recognize. And when you know that you have the victory, the activation of now faith comes natural. Any situation that you face is not too difficult because you operate in the impossible. Your Lord doesn't need logical situations to come through for you. In fact, he prefers that nobody else can explain it, that nobody else can perform it, and nobody else can come through on your behalf. And all you need is just a little hint of now faith. If you all will stand with me. I've not been long, but I hope that you've been inspired to activate now faith. Can we just pray for a little bit right now? Let's lift our voices. Let's reach out to God. Jesus.